Proverbs, and there are just so many things in life that we, you know, it'd be nice if it'd be a little bit easier. If we didn't, like, make the same mistakes or, or kind of run into the same walls. And so God, in his incredible wisdom, was like, you know, I'm going to put a whole book in the Bible that's full of wisdom designed to help you, not just, you know, not just to get you to heaven, but so that your time here on earth is a little bit easier, a little bit better, and because we all could use some wisdom sometimes. So that's what we're talking about uh, over this next month and a half. And so today we're actually going to be talking about how to become a financial genius. How many people say, like, that would be nice. It would be nice to be a financial genius. I could, I could use some of that. I, I feel yeah, I feel that way to myself sometimes. And so <clears throat> as I was getting ready for this message, I was, as I was kind of studying and doing some research, I found something really interesting. And you probably don't even realize this yet, but you, did you know that people do a lot of strange things with money? It kind of don't, I mean, it, the people do a lot of strange things with money, things that just make you kind of scratch your head and say, I don't know if I would have done that, right? Maybe you've seen some of that. And so I want to give you a heads up because here in a moment, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor or someone nearby you, and, and if you're, you're brave, I want you to take 30 seconds and share the dumbest thing you've ever spent money on. Okay, so just I'm giving you a heads up so you can think about it because I'm going to show you some dumb things people spent money on. So let's see, we have that first slide. Let's throw this up here. Let's see, we get that up there. Okay, these are sauna pants. Sauna pants. Yeah, so if you, anybody like it, would be nice to lose a little weight. You got a little junk in the trunk, you know? Get yourself some sauna pants only for 40 bucks. You don't have to do anything. You just, you just sit and sweat, you know? So that's, that's one thing you spend money on. Let's look at the next thing. This, anybody got babies or grandbabies? You know, this is the baby dust mob. This is perfect. Hey, come on. They're crawling around the floor anyhow, so why not two birds, one stone? Two birds, one baby, right? It's perfect. You have any baby showers going on? I know what I'm going to get you. Okay, so we got that. Let's, let's go to the next one here. Hmm. You know what I really need? Man. It's just so difficult to cut the pizza wouldn't it be nice if someone just made, you know, just take care of it at the same time? So you got that. Let's go to the next one. This, this, let's see. All the cat lovers out there. This is a new book. This is great. How to tell. No, no, go back. How to tell. <clears throat> how to tell if your cat is plotting to kill you. So, you know, in case you're wondering, you're not sure, you know, kind of notice some things going on here. Oh, that's how to tell if your people bought that. Okay, let's go to the last one here. Here we go. Hey, honey, do you know where the remote's? Oh, that's right. I have remote head. You know, like, don't you hate that? You're like, you got so many remotes now and, and your phone and just stick it right there to your head. Right? So there you go. So I, are those it? I think those are the last one, isn't it? Okay. So those are some of the dumb things people spent money on. So now take the next 30 seconds, talk amongst yourselves and share what is the dumbest thing you spent money on. Go.
Okay, man, we all do, y'all, y'all have some great lunch conversation now. Man, it is so easy to do some foolish things when it comes to money, isn't it? Man, we all have a story. We're 21, Proverbs this morning. Wednesday, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be jumping around quite a bit. You can turn to Proverbs chapter 21, Proverbs 21. And I think we do, it's easy to do foolish things with money because we interact with money all the time, don't we? I mean, whether it's actual dollar bills or, or plastic or maybe you have something on your phone, you know, the, the, the things where you can just swipe your phone and buy things or, or you know, what's really evil is Amazon um, one, one quick buying. That is, that is dangerous. <clears throat> you know, if you're bored, you should not be buying. Boredom and buying should never, you know, they should have like a, uh, a boredom breathalyzer thing on your phone before you can like purchase stuff, you know. I don't, you, you invent that you'll make a lot of money. <clears throat> but with all the selling and buying and lending and, and borrowing and loaning and investing, safing, safing? I don't even know what that is. Saving and scraping, I think I was trying to combine those. Man, we do a lot with money. It's, it's such a big part of our lives. And because of that, it's like there's just so many ways it can go wrong. You know what I mean? There's so many ways that money can go wrong. From buying those knives, you know, that one in the morning that can cut through a penny, which, let's be honest, at 1 a.m., what is it in our mind that thinks, you know what? You know what my life is really missing at 1 a.m.? What I could really use? I need a knife that could cut through a penny. That would really, that would really help my life. That's what I need. I think we all have stories like that that are funny. And then there's those stories with money that we just kind of still cringe. You know, some of us still have those, those financial scars with money. Think about it. I mean, it just it hurts some of the choices we've made and the decisions we've made with money. And so I think because money has such a huge impact on our lives, that's why it has such a, a starring role in the book of Proverbs. And now today, I don't have enough time to go through all the verses on, on money in the book of Proverbs. I encourage you. Just continue reading through the book of Proverbs. There's only 31 chapters and, it, you know, 31 days in most months. It's a great little, like, wisdom vitamin. So there's so much we can learn from it. But I think there's kind of a theme when it comes to money and how we handle money in the book of Proverbs. And, and this theme kind of runs through the whole book. So let's see if we can find it together. Proverbs 21. And if you don't have a Bible handy, we're going to have the verses on the screen. Verse 20, it says this. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oils. Uh, I don't know if any of you do like the essential oils. My wife loves this verse. but uh, Stores of choice food and oils, but a foolish person devours all they have. See, it says in life, there, there's a wise way to do life and a foolish way to do life. There is a wise way to manage money and a foolish way. There's a way that brings more peace into our lives, and there's a way that brings stress and tension into our lives. And so let's, let's kind of jump back and let's, let's look at um, the foolish way to handle money. Let's take a look at that. So uh, we're going to jump in, in Proverbs, back to Proverbs chapter 18. Let's look at verse 10. It says this. It says, the name of the Lord, the day Bible verses, you know, and the righteous run into it and are safe. It's a great verse. It's like one of those like one a day Bible verses, you know. It's, it's a good thing to, you know, verse of the day. But check out the next verse. It says, but the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall of safety. They imagine it unscalable. Their wealth, their, their income, their bank account. The foolish, point number one, the foolish, they, they look to money to provide security. That's one of the, the wrong ways the foolish look at money. The foolish look at money to provide security. And let, let's be honest, 
I think we've all done that from time to time. I mean, maybe things have gone well and, and you know, things are getting, getting together in our lives and we look at our, our bank account and, and you know, the, the money is kind of increasing and that, that's a good feeling to look at that. Or maybe it's your retirement account. It's reached a certain level. For some, you got a new job or a better job or promotion and it's easy to look at those things and, and when things start to do well and then the finances increase, there's a part of us that just kind of has that sense of relief, right? I mean, am I the only one? <clears throat> that sense of relief that sense of peace, and, and that in and of itself isn't a bad thing. That's called margin, you know, when, when there's room between how much money you have in the bank and, and how many bills you have. That's, that's margin, and that's a good thing. We want that in our lives. The problem is, is when we start to look at those things as our source of security. When we start to look at our, our accounts, and the problem is our investments as our source of security, when we, when we center our lives around them. And the problem is, is, is those things are all moving targets, aren't they? I mean, we can kind of, kind of think, you know, hey, you know, once I make this amount, you know, once I move up high enough in the company or, or the, my, my retirement account gets to this level, then, then I'll just I'll feel secure. And I can just relax and, and honey, we're not going to have to worry and life is going to be good. And yet, it, it, it feels that way, but it never quite comes. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10, this might be a good verse to write down. The writer of Ecclesiastes is also the writer of Proverbs, says this, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. See, money lies to us, doesn't it? It lies to us. Money is kind of like a drug, you know? It gives you a little bit and then kind of whets your appetite. It's not, it's not enough. You, you need a little bit more. It's funny how for many of us at one point in our life, if you were to look back you know, where you were at 10 years ago or 15 years ago, you thought, man, if I was making this amount, if you were making the amount you're making today, you think, man, I would never need anything else in the world. Man, we'd be set. Man, life would be great. But now, now you have kids and they're expensive, dang it, right? And, and, and these different things and, and we think, ah, oh, this is not quite enough. It's not enough. Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5, it says this. It says, don't wear yourselves out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know, get, and have all these things. Man, right? Be, don't wear yourself out trying to, to obtain and to get and to have all these things. Be wise enough to know when to quit, when to say enough is enough. Now, that doesn't mean we, we don't work hard and we don't want more for our lives, but if we're sacrificing our family, if we're sacrificing our health, it goes on to say, it says, cast but a glance at riches and they're gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Isn't that how it is? It's like he like totally gets our life. You ever felt that way? Like, like you got a little bit of money and all of a sudden it's like they, they, like they must have grown wings. And they just fly away and you're like, bye. Call me. You know what I mean? Like, like we have some money in our account or things start to look good. And then all of a sudden a repair comes up. Or it's a medical bill. Or, or it's a tweet and the economy starts to go sideways. Right? And all of a sudden it's like things, things start shifting and we feel like, well, where are these things going? I've heard it said that money talks. But sometimes I think money just, just quietly walks away. And you're kind of like, hey, where, where did my money go? You ever felt that way before? Like, I know I had some money around here somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's one thing if you lose money in the couch cushions. It's another thing if you like look at your bank account and like, where'd the money go? There are no couch cushions in your bank account, just so you know that, okay? It's crazy. The foolish, 
And the foolish look to money to provide security. And they also look to money to provide self-worth, self-esteem. Then Proverbs 12, verse 9. Better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than, than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Man, that's an easy one to fall into, isn't it? Better to, to be a nobody, better to, to, to look like you're just average and, and just kind of living a normal life, and yet you got some things set up, than to have the image and, and the, the lifestyle and the car and everything, and yet can't pay your bills, don't have enough money for food. So I think the foolish, it's so easy to buy into this lie that, you know, well, this is how you have to dress, and this is what you have to drive in, and that's what you have to live in, and, and these are the toys you have to have, and the stuff you have to have, and if you have these things, then you'll be happy, then you'll be like your neighbors and everyone else, and you'll fit in, and your life will be good. You can go on social media and post your pictures and your selfies, feel good about yourselves. And it's easy to see how we can fall into that with the fact that, that what we see around, they say around between 4,000 and 20,000 advertisements every day that make us compare our lives with the Johnsons. You know, if our lives need to be like them, we need to vacation like them, and we need to have a house like them, and, and drive like them. So you know what we do? I think this causes us so we need some therapy. All, all this chaos makes us so we need some therapy, but so many of us, you know what we do? We do retail therapy, don't we? We do retail therapy. We do what, what Dave Ramsey says. He says that we'll go and we'll buy things we don't really need with money we don't have to impress people that we don't really like. You know what I mean? Or people we don't know, like, you know, like, you, she kind of looks over and your big awesome car that you, you know, can barely afford to make payments on, and, and the person next to you kind of looks over and, like, yeah, and then you drive off, like, I will never see that guy again, but he thought I was cool, <laughs> right? And, and the crazy thing is, you know what, most of these things, you know where they end up? <laughs> the thing that we had to have, that outfit that was just going to make us pop, or wherever, those shoes, right? They end up, in a few months, they end up in the back of a closet, with all the other, like, must-have items. Or out in our garage, that's where, where items go to die, those, those things we had to have. They go to the garage to die so that we can make more room for the things we have to have. And then there gets a point where we don't have enough room, and so you know what we have to do? We have to have a garage sale. I heard another pastor say it like this. He says, you know what garage sales are? Garage sales are confessions. They're con it's, like, it's like you open up your garage door, it's like you're opening up a giant confessional, and you're inviting everyone in. It's like, here's this shameful thing, putting everything out, yeah, I bought that. <clears throat> I did. I bought that. I bought the shake wake. The shake wake, you know. Yeah, I purchased that. <sighs> yeah, that cost me $200, that right there, but you can have it for $2. Sure, I'll take $2, right? It's, it's, it's hurtful, right? And, and then your neighbors come by, and, and your here's what we need to know about garage sales. When your neighbors come to your garage sale, they are not coming to shop. Do you know what they're coming to do? They're coming to judge you. They're coming to quietly judge you. See, honey, I told you we shouldn't have bought that. Right? It's just, it's crazy. But that's what we do. That's what we do. But here's the thing we need to do. Social media things that we love. The Johnsons and all the other families we compare ourselves to and the, the, the social media things that we look at. We compare, you know, our, our everyday, one pastor said, our everyday to their highlight reel is this. Check this out. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. 
Need a smart way to consolidate your debt? At LennyTree.com, banks there. compete. Right? That's how, that's how, that's, that's the lie of our culture. So many things. Here's the thing. If you can afford it, if you've worked hard and you've planned well and you've saved up, have a great life. Buy all the toys. Do what you want. Enjoy them. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to say, you have a nice car. You're evil. We're not, that's not our church. That's not our church. And we're not saying here at our church either that God's going to give you a million Ferraris uh, if you put $10 in the offering. That's not the church we go to either, okay? But here's the thing. It says it's better to live an average life, to have an average lifestyle and have an extraordinary life. I would much rather have an average lifestyle and an extraordinary life where I have peace in my relationships, where I can spend time with my family, where, where me and my wife, we don't argue and fight about the stress of money and, and how we're going to put all these, these things together, where I don't have to spend, and have 10 million hours at work worried about money. I'd rather drive a 10-year-old car and have $10 million in the bank. Still waiting for that $10 million, but it's going to come at some point, maybe. I, I saw a book recently. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. And what they did is they interviewed, like, like the super wealthy. Not, not just like people who are rich, people who kind of they, like, fall into some money. But they interviewed some people who are really wealthy. And you know what they found about them? They don't really care about, about image. They, they don't really care what you think about them. They'll drive an older car. They'll wear average clothes, and yet, like the verse said, they, they have servants, right? They have, they have an incredible, uh, because they don't invest in things that depreciate. They don't care about what their image looks like. In fact, there's another verse, I didn't put it in our notes, but it says that there are some who are, who are poor who pretend to be rich, and though those, there are those who are rich who pretend to be poor. I think it's better to be the latter, to, to kind of live a lifestyle within our means than it is to pretend like you have this money and yet have so much stress. Another verse that was kind of funny, it, it said that, that um, the wealthy, the wealthy um, they, they have to worry about being kidnapped. And yet those with, with little money never get threatened. And I kind of thought, you know, that is true. That's one thing I've never, wor I've never worried about being kidnapped. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's some value. You kind of just own in your zone where you live, okay? It's like, I don't have much money, but I'm, I'm never going to get kidnapped or ransomed and Maybe, maybe that's okay, you know, rich, rich people problems. Here's, I put this in my notes. If money is a source of our security and self-worth, being self-worth, it's only a matter of time before we sabotage ourselves. If money is our source of security and self-worth, it's only a matter of time before we sabotage ourselves. Because if money is our source, then the end justifies the means. And we'll hurt others, and we'll mar our character, and we'll take shortcuts, and we'll accumulate debt, debt, and all these, these things will happen in our lives because the end justifies the means. I want to look a certain way. I want to feel safe. Proverbs 21, verse 6 says, Wealth created by a lying tongue is a vanishing mist and a deadly trap. 11, verse 1 says, The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. See, the way that worked is back in the day, we got to remember this was an agricultural... Uh, culture. So they had scales and they would weigh things out. You wanted to know how valuable something was, you check the weight. Okay, you check to see if the weight was right. And so they'd kind of mess with the weights to, to kind of make things go in their favor, right? So things would weigh a little bit less to the person they were selling it to or weigh a little bit more when it was coming to them. You know, we can do the same thing. We, we, understand, how to, we understand how to manipulate the instruments of our industry, don't we? Whatever industry that you're in. It, well, we're not really lying, you know, it's not really being dishonest, but we're not telling the whole truth. We know how to maneuver around to get things to work out in our favor, don't we? So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what am I willing to do to get ahead? What am I willing to do? I remember in college, 
I worked uh, two jobs during the summer, and one job I worked as a telemarketer. That was a fun job. It would be so boring, you'd have to wait try because I'm going to offend somebody to you. And uh, you know, I would, I would try to do these different accents, you know. I'm just going to say, I'm not, not going to try because I'm going to offend somebody, okay? We talked about words last week. I keep my foot out of my mouth. I'm not doing any accents. But, you know, so, but then I would try to match the accent of the person who would answer the phone. So they were Southern, you know, how y'all doing? You know, I'd try to do that and see if I could connect with them. But they had us selling uh, accidental death insurance. And many of the phone calls I get, they'd be like these sweet little old, like, like 80, 80 year old ladies. And I'm trying to sell them, I'm trying to sell them accidental death insurance. You know, and then it's, it's one of those things, well, you know, you have 30 days to try it for free. If you sign up, you know, 30 days, if you cancel within 30 days, you don't get charged anything. And it's like, oh, this sounds good. It, should I, and I have to try to patch them on to a, to a, a, never mind, to another salesman who's going to just sell them. And eventually I had to quit doing it. I couldn't do it anymore. I felt like, how, I, how can I be going to school for ministry and, and be selling these sweet, sweet people this thing I know is going to take advantage of them? Proverbs 10 Verse 2 says, tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. Tainted wealth has no value. Remember another time as a youth pastor, we were going to this camp, we were doing this, this winter camp, and uh, the camp where we were going to with the, the students, they were just, was not the, the best situation. They were, they were taking advantage of us. Um, they had mis, kind of misrepresented themselves in some things, and I was really just frustrated and angry. We were just being charged like thousands more than what we were supposed to be charged, in my, my opinion. And uh, so I was so few kids we'd actually brought. And, uh, you know, there was this form to fill out, and, and the person who was in charge wasn't there, and they wanted to know how many kids we'd actually brought, because that's what you're going to be charged on. And I tell you, in that moment, I was so tempted. I, was, I, was, I, actually, I actually wrote down a, a false number at first. You know, with, okay, well, I'm going to write down, we brought 30 kids, I'm going to write down 25, because that's how much we should pay. And then the Lord started to convict me. I thought, I, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. So I, I ripped it up. I went and I said, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I need a new form. So I filled it out, filled out the right information. Went through that camp. I had to sit down and explain how I, you know, my pastor, I always spent more money than what we're supposed to. The next year we found a different camp. And this camp was incredible. They gave us all these amazing discounts. They worked with us. One year we, we didn't have the, the right amount of students. They said, don't worry about it. We're not even going to count it against you. You just pay what you, what you can pay. And we used that camp for the next five years. God blessed us with an amazing relationship with, with this other camp. Because here's the thing, it, it's easier in the long run, it's easier to, to spend a few extra dollars than it is to try to, to go back and, and salvage your reputation, right? It's easier to spend a little bit more than it is to try to salvage your reputation. So that was a foolish approach to money. Now let's look at how the wise approach money. Okay, I think we're going to notice a couple things here. Proverbs 10, verse 4, you can jump just two verses down, it says this. It says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. 13, verse 4, the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Proverbs 21, verse 5, I know we're jumping pretty fast. Diligent lead to profits. The Bible pages start to burn up. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. You notice a trend here? So whenever the Bible talks about the wise, how the wise handle money, it uses this word diligent. The wise are diligent. And in this word diligent, there's kind of some ideas wrapped up. There's the idea of, of persistence and, and care and attention to details. The, the word diligent and diligence, it has to do with our attitude and our actions. It says diligent plans and diligent hands. Okay, they kind of go together. Diligent plans and diligent hands. You have to do both. Hard work 
and hard planning. We have to think through things. Proverbs 27, verse 23 says this, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks and give careful attention to your herds. Now you might be thinking, okay, that's, that's great, Pastor. Okay, if I ever get some flocks, I'll, hey, I'll make sure I know their condition. Like, what are you talking about? We don't have any flocks. I live in Placerville. Well, maybe you have a flock. I'm not really sure. Um, here's the thing. What is he talking about? The principle is transferable, right? Do you know the condition of your finances? Give careful attention to your accounts. Do you know what you're paying? Do you know, do we know how, what fees are being tacked on? How much interest things are? Maybe it started out at this interest level, but is it a variable rate? Has it gone, has it gone up? Has, does it change? Do we know how much is being applied to print bill pay? It is a wonderful versus interest. How about automatic bill pay? I'll be honest, I love, I love me some automatic bill pay. It is a wonderful thing. It has saved me sometimes. But it's, I've heard it's called you know, brain dead bill pay as well because you just kind of set it and forget it. And I remember one time as I was sitting down, looking at my finances, checking out the bills, I'm like, wait a minute, why are they trying to charge me you know, $600 for heat when you know, it's like May? There's no way I use that much heat. So, so I called them up on the phone. Here's the amazing thing. They never, like, they never hunted me down and called me up and said, hey, Mr. Chamberlain, yeah, we made a mistake. We overcharged you. They, they've never done that. I had to be the one to call them. I had to, to know the conditions of my accounts and call them out on it. So you might not have a flock, but what's the condition of your Ford? Right? What's the condition of your car, the vehicle that takes you back and forth to work, that takes you to the source of your income? What's the condition of your water heater, of our washer and dryer? Proverbs 22, verse 3 says this. It says, the wise see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. See, what it's saying here is a wise person knows that, you know what? Tires usually last about three to four years, and I've already had the tires on my car for about three years. So I need to start thinking about that. They know that the oil needs to be changed every 3,000 miles. That a roof lasts about 15 years. So the, the wise see danger and they take refuge. They, they do something about it. I put this in my note. Budgeting, danger, there's a financial danger. Danger doesn't become disaster. Budgeting makes it so that, because we all encounter danger. There's financial dangers around us everywhere, aren't there? Right? That's just a part of doing life. Danger in our finances is inevitable. But disaster is optional. And it starts by knowing the condition of our accounts. And sometimes that's scary. Sometimes we don't want to like, you know, turn on the computer and actually see the condition of our accounts. It, it's frightening, you know. It's worse than the Friday the 13th for some of us, right? So let's keep going. The diligent work hard, Proverbs 13, verse 11. Are you still with me? Are we, are we still good? So have you? Some of you? Some of you are like, I'm not sure. Okay. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. Wealth from get-rich-quick things Schemes. There are so many of them. It's, it's funny. Have you ever seen those signs, you know, real estate investor looking to invest in, in, in a young entrepreneur to make millions? And, and I see those signs and I think, that's, that's nice. Why is it written in clip art? You, you would think if you could pay cash for a house, you could afford, you know, a little bit like better signs. You know, it's just, it's just funny to me. It, it's amazing how people do these things. The lottery. The lottery, and I, and I hear people say this, you know what, hey, pastor, if, if I win the lottery, you know what I'm going to, and, and first of all, let me just tell you, the statistical chances of a person winning the lottery is 1 in 175 million. 
In fact, you have a, big, a better chance of dying because you're left-handed than you do of winning the lottery. There is a like, chance that you will die because you are left-handed and trying to use a right-handed person's like, device. Like, I guess every year, one in four million people die from being left-handed. Now, I'm not saying that to scare you, okay? But let's say, if I win the lottery, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do these great things. I'm going to give to the church. And I'll interrupt and I'll say, no, you're not. No, you're, because if you're not already doing those things, you're not going to start. Unless you're already giving generously, unless you're already taking care of your family with what you have, unless you're already giving God uh, the first right away, why would you think you would change if you got money into your life? See, money doesn't make us, doesn't make us good or bad. Money doesn't make us good or bad, uh, or better or worse. It just makes us more of what we already are. It just, makes it, it just kind of reveals who we are. We're just more of it. So if you're, if, if you're kind of a big jerk right now, um, if you have money, you might be just a little bit of a bigger jerk, okay? I'm just saying. If you're really generous now, you, who knows, okay? God can trust you with more. Okay, I heard about this guy. His name was William Post. He won $16 million in the Pennsylvania lottery. And one year later, he was a million dollars in debt. You're like, well, how does that happen? Well, first of all, his girlfriend at the time sued him for her half of the money, and she won. And then he's got a great family. His brother hired a hitman to try to kill him because he thought if, he, if he, his brother died, then he'd get his inheritance. Okay? And then, of course, he made some bad financial decisions, and he had these bill collectors that came to his door and started bugging him. And he got so angry that he took a this guy, uh, and, and he fired a shot over the heads of one of the, the bill collectors, and he went to jail. Last I heard this guy, uh, he, he's living on $400 a month and food stamps. Everybody has these ideas that they think they can beat the system, that they can get wealth without hard work. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Some people think, well, credit cards. I figured out how to use the credit cards. You know what? They're not really using me. I'm using them. I, and I'm not, you know, if you, I'm not saying that you shouldn't use credit cards. You need to make that decision. But, you know, the fact is that the average family that uses credit cards in the U.S. carry about $5,700 in credit card debt. They say, well, you know, I'm going to use the rewards. I'm going to use the airline miles. I'm going to go on this great vacation. Well, that's wonderful. Okay, sure, in about 16 years, you'll have enough airline miles saved up to go to Hawaii. And yet you'll be so far in debt you can't afford a hotel room there. Or even like one of those little umbrellas. So we got to think about it. <clears throat> easy money disappears quickly because if it comes to us easy, we spend it easy. I mean, it's kind of like shopping with your kids. Have you experienced this? I know when I go shopping with my kids, when it's my money, they got to have everything. Everything is a need. Like, oh, I want this and I want that. And, oh, this is so wonderful. But when I have them crack open their penny bank, their penny jar, and they bring their cash, then it's kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. You know, I've got to think about this. I don't know if I need pants or not. You know, <laughs> I could get by without pants. <clears throat> it's amazing. The NIV puts it like this. It says, whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Let's jump down to, to verse 9 to turn from evil. It says, it is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. It's pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from evil to make them happen. You know, I got some dreams. I think we all have some dreams, some things that we would love to see happen in our lives, with our families, and our finances. But are we willing to say no to the lesser things so we can have the things that we really want? You know, I would love to have a body like Channing Tatum, but I think I love tater tots a little bit more. <laughs> See, my wife didn't even laugh. That's like, that's not funny. Tatum, tater tots. Anyhow, okay, you know, I, I, when it comes down to it, I choose Netflix over Bowflex. 
Do you guys remember, you remember Bowflex, like with Chuck Norris, right, working the Bowflex? I don't even know if they make those anymore, but I bet you I could go to someone's garage, sell a little confessional, and buy it for like 20 bucks. Just saying, you know. Proverbs 21, verse 17, whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil, olive oil will never be rich. Or whoever loves tater tots and Netflix will never become rich. The wise don't do that. The wise are diligent and the wise are dedicated. I'm going to have my volunteers. Sam, if you want to set these tables out now. Can you take the tables out, Sam? Okay. I've got a little, uh, little uh, example I want to see. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will flow with new wine. It's like, see, this is the place to start with our finances, honoring the Lord, honoring the Lord with our finances. It's like this. Uh, there will be times where I'll take my, my youngest daughter, Addison, out, and we'll go to, like, McDonald's, and, you know, we'll get, like, chicken nuggets, or we'll get, like, French fries, and uh, a lot of times I'll order it for her. I won't really get anything for myself, but then, like, I like to take the first fry. Any parents know what I'm talking about? Like, you take the first fry, the first, give, give me a bite, you know, and what she'll do so many times is she'll start to pout. She'll get upset and she'll start pouting. And like, what she doesn't realize, I paid for the fries, right? Like, I got a, I got a wallet full of $1 bills. I can buy dollar fries. I can make it rain fries if I want to, you know? Like, give me a fry, girl. You don't even understand. My older daughter, Cassie, she's kind of more generous. And, you know, I'll buy fries. And she'll give, you know, either she's generous or she's figured out, one of the two. But she'll give me, I love you, Daddy. Would you like some fries? I'm like, oh, baby, how about I get you a milkshake too, you know? Like, it's the heart of a father, isn't it? When your kids show you respect, when they honor what you've done for them and they appreciate it, doesn't it just make your heart want to give them more? Like, oh, come here, let me, let me give you some more. Let me, let me take care of you. That's how it works. We want to put God first. So it's kind of like this. Imagine, you know, if, if I was coming to your birthday party, right? If it's your birthday party, who gets the first slice of cake, birthday cake? You get the, slice, the first slice of birthday cake because it's your, your birthday. Or if you're a kid, you get the slice of birthday cake with, like, the obnoxious I icing flour on it, right? You remember those, right? Like, you know, sugar coma, like, half of the, if I went to your birthday party, and I'm like, oh, it's the time to cut the cake, and I go and I cut the cake, and I take off a big, like, half of the cake, and I go in the other room, I'm going to eat this, you know? We start cutting up the cake, that's what we do with our lives, don't we? We don't give God the first slice, he's kind of down the row. Well, first we've got to cut off a big slice for Verizon. Verizon gets like the biggest and best price, the best slice. Or maybe it's Wells Fargo, you know, or, or some of these other things. Our car payment, Toyota, gets the biggest slice. And then if there's any left, we'll give it to God. But God says, come on, I want, I want to be first. If you want me to bless your life, if you want me to be involved in your finances, make me first. Now, I just want to say this. This is for people who are believers. So... You've given your heart to the Lord. You're saying, I want him to be first in my life. I want his blessing on my life, on my choices, on my family. It also applies to our finances. Okay? And, and so I want just to hear what, what the Bible has to say about this because I know this can be kind of difficult. This can be kind of a, a hard thing to kind of think about. So just sign to think about it. Take it home. Pray about it and see what God says to you. But I want to kind of give a visual example. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your increase or all your crops. Now, once again, we don't have crops. We don't know what that's like. That's not our culture, right? So I kinda, I'm a visual person. It's kind of imagine like this. So let's see. Let's get some crops going in here. Bring me out some crops. Let's see. Okay. So God brings in 10 heads of lettuce, right? So, so come on. Bring them all in. Just walk in. Come on. Bring them in. This is, this is my table. I'm going to take the first head of lettuce. 
So let's go and put it here on God's table because it's 100%. So sorry, okay, let's see what else we got. 10%. 90% goes to me. I get 90 head of lettuce, and God gets one. That's right. Okay, let's see what else we got here. What else we got going to give into my life? Oh, apples. Anybody like apples? Right? I, like, I like them apples. How do you like those apples? An apple a day will keep the doctor away. I'm going to put it right here. Give God his, his 10%. He gets the first and the best apples right there. And I got nine bags of apples right here on my table. I, I like some apples. Y'all like some apples? You know what? I got enough apples here on my table. I'm gonna give, who wants an apple? Anybody want an apple? Let's say, try to catch this. Don't hit your neighbor. There we go. She had an apple. Okay. Let's see. Come on. Let's come on out. Let's see. Oranges. Okay. God brings some oranges in my life. I like some oranges. We're going to make some orange juice. So I'm going to give God the, the 10%, the first of the oranges. And I got nine bags of oranges over here on my table. Keep coming, guys. Let's see what else we got here. Pile it up. Man, I got oranges for days. Was it? Oranges aren't calcium. What are oranges? Vitamin C. That's what it is. Okay, let's see. Come on in here. Potatoes. I ain't on no gluten-free diet. I'm going to eat me some potatoes. I got 10 bags of potatoes. God brings 10 bags. God gets the first bag of potatoes. And I got, 10 ba I got nine bags of potatoes on my table. This is awesome. Let's, let's keep coming, guys. What else we got here? Bananas. Banana. Right? Okay. So I got, I'm going to give God the first. Oh, you know what? No, no. Look at that. That's like, it's kind of bruised. I wouldn't pick that. I wouldn't buy that myself in the grocery store. I'm not going to give that to God. Let's see. Let's find some better ones. Oh, these are good. Okay. A little green, but that's okay. I'm going to give, I'm going to give the best, the first and the best to God. And I get to keep nine more bananas for myself. Cantaloupes. Anybody like cantaloupes? Crazy. It's the first cantaloupe. He gets the first. And look, I'm going I'm to run out of room. This is crazy. See, I got all these cantaloupes. This is crazy. Just kind of keep packing them up. Bring out the can Coconuts. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Twiddle-dee-dee. God gets the first coconut. I got nine more coconuts. I might put the lime in the coconut and shake it all up. And I don't know what I do after that. I'm not I don't really know. I, I went to a Christian school. What do you do with the lime and the coconut after you shake it up? It's falling. Look, it's running. It's falling off the table. I got so much. Keep going. Broccoli. I'm going to give God the. God doesn't want broccoli, so I'm just going to put it over. I'm going to give God the first broccoli. God gets the first broccoli, and I got nine more broccoli. Come on. What else is God going to bring in my life? Oh, come on, bring it in. Here we go. We're almost done. We got avocados. That's right. We live in California. You got to have some avocados. God gets the first avocado. And he's in, and over here, I'm going to make some guacamole, I guess, because I get to keep nine avocados. Do you see how? That's okay. It's, just, it's falling over. It's amazing. What else we got left? How much we got left? We got um, pears, right? No, no, this isn't a pear. This is a, it's a mango, okay? You don't even know what it, Sometimes God brings things in your life. I don't even know what this is, God, but you know what? You get the first. You get it, okay? How are we doing? We got anything else here? Are we done? This is everything. Look at this. So this, just, just get this picture in your head. I'm going to honor God with the first, the first and best, 10%. This goes to God, right? He gets the first and the best. This is just 90%. Look at all, look what's left. And God hasn't even blessed this yet. He hasn't even blessed this. This is just 90%. Dave Ramsey says, you know what? It doesn't take a miracle in the United States to live on 90%. All we have to do is, is start making some better choices, stop getting into debt, stop, stop allowing credit and consumerism to, to eat up our soul. I get 90% when I put God first. I put him first at his table. It's amazing. You know what happens? I've taught my girls about tithing, and what I'll do when they're young is I'll, I'll take a dollar, and they'll, they'll earn some money, and I'll take the dollar, but instead of giving them a dollar, I'll give them 10 dimes. And I'll say, okay, girls, here, God says, 
you know, he gets the first dime. So here you go, give this to God, and you get nine left. But I'll say, well, these are your dimes, but how much would you like to give to God? And you know what's amazing? In, this, this, in their hearts, they get, you know what? I get, I get nine? That's not right. How much do you want to give? Well, I want to give God at least five or six. When they, realize, when they realize how generous and how good God is, he's brought so much into our lives, I just want to give him more because he's good and he deserves it and, it's, and he's worth it. It's amazing. It says, if we do this, if we put him first, he will bless the rest. He'll bless it and he'll make our, our barns overflow and our vats fill up. But you know what we do sometimes? Is we kind of come over to God's table. This is kind of sneaky. You know, like, okay, um, you know, I kind of overspent this month. And uh, there's this thing that I want, and, uh, you know, I could come to my 90%, but I think I'm just going to go to God's table. I'm just going to kind of just, uh, mm. Then they just feel dirty. That's too big of a bite, but I'll clean that up later, but you get the picture. Then they just feel dirty. I got all this over here, but I'm going to come to God's table and take some of God's. It doesn't make any sense. Here's the thing. We're going to be wrapping up here in just a moment. I've invited a friend to kind of share what this looks like. Where's Michaela? Michaela, come on up. Okay, Michaela had a story she wants to share with us. She has done this in her life, and, and we could tell story after story about what God has done. But I want you to hear this in, in someone, their, their own words. Would you share real quick, Michaela? Okay, being on a microphone makes me super nervous when talking in front of people, so I'm sorry. Um, a few months back, well, so financial struggles is kind of something that's like a running theme in my life, but God always provides. Um, a few months back, I get paid once a month because I work for a school system, and um, I was down to like my last $20 and going, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to make it through until next payday. Um you know, just to put gas in my car or whatever to get to work. And God really stirred on my heart, um, give that $20 when we were taking offerings. And um, I was nervous about it, but I was obedient to what God had put on my heart. And um, I had, I don't know, I don't know who they were, but somebody came and knocked on my door. It's somebody that knows me and knows my family, and they showed up um, at my house, knocked, and I didn't even want to answer the door because I didn't know who it was. And they just kind of surprise attacked, handed me an envelope, and um, just said, we love you, we see what you're doing keep doing it and ran off and I sat there in awe and like total surprise and shock and when I opened the envelope later um, there was a note that said kind of the same thing just keep doing what you're doing we see we see you and it was an envelope with I think there was two hundred dollars in it um, but God says and what he puts on your heart, he will bless you far more than, and he can do so much more with your $20 than I could ever do with it. $20 could 
good. Thank you, Michaela. That is awesome. That is awesome. We put God first. We honor him. And he says he will bless and he'll protect. He says he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there won't be room enough for us to contain. It'll, it'll overflow. It's amazing. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you know what? We start following these principles of being wise with our money and honoring God. And you know what happens? He begins to change our hearts. Something starts to happen. We look at, look at God's table and say, that's not enough. My, our table starts to grow. We start to get more. Say, you know what? I want other people to experience the goodness. Why am I going to give them broccoli? That's not good. I want other people to experience the goodness of God. I want them to know who he is. I want to invest in what's God doing. I want them to know his goodness and his kindness and his favor. I want their marriages and their families better. I'm going to take more of what I have. And I'm going to give it because I want people to know how good my God is. And you know what? I don't need all of this to be happy. I don't need all this to be satisfied. God is taking care of me. And we give it and God does so much more than we can ever imagine. One last verse, and I'm going to shut up, I promise. Proverbs 11, verse 24 says this, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds what is right, and yet comes to poverty. A generous do. And those who refreshes others will be refreshed. That's what God wants to do. He wants to use our church. He wants to use our lives to, to refresh others. Now, I'm saying, like, if you're in, if you're in a difficult spot, I'm not saying you've got to do this all at once pray and ask God, start somewhere, but say, God, I'm going to put you first, right? If it's the first 1%, God's going to honor that. But come on, let's see what God wants to do when we say, you are going to be first in every area of, my, of our, our lives. Last, on Friday night, we had, uh, we had a worship night, and uh, as we were worshiping and praying, I kind of just had a thought that came to my mind, and uh, if I was going to be really super spiritual, I would say, I had a vision but I'm not going to be super sweet. I just had a thought. I feel like God kind of dropped a thought in my mind. That's how it works sometimes. And I'm like, what's that about? And then I felt like, like, like the, another thought came to me that explained my first thought. That's kind of how cool God is. He's not like, you know, Mr. Wizard going to mess with you. Like, he can be real. And so the thought was this. I, got, I had the thought of, of a mountain, and I saw a mountain stream. And I saw the water coming down, flowing down the stream to a, to a valley where, where there was all sorts of life and, and vegetation and produce. And I felt like God was saying, that's what we're going to be. We're going to be a mountain stream. We're going to be a mountain We're going to be generous. We're going to be open. We're going to hold our hands openly. Allow God to take, what, to, to use whatever we have because it's not really ours. We're just stewards. And he's going to bless our whole community. It's going to flow down this, this region and bless people. But you know what? That doesn't happen when we dam up the creek and we say, this is mine. When you, when you do that, when you put up a dam, you know what? How your blessings to flow stagnant. Right? It doesn't, it's not healthy. No one wants to drink that. We're going to say, God, would you allow your blessings to flow through my life? I want to be used by you. Just like Michaela said. Let's take a moment and pray.